0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to This Podcast Needs a Title. I'm Erica Davis. And I'm Peter Malone Elliott, and I'm coming in
1: hot this afternoon. Woo, woo, and woo. this is real talk about writing, publishing, and everything in between. Our guest today is Aaron Clyburn, a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious associate agent at the Jennifer D. Q. R. Literary Agency.
0: But wow. first, yeah, Erica. Mm-hmm. Thank you for not screaming in my ear. Yeah. How are you doing? Oh, God, Peter. I'm actually really thrilled that you typed out supercalifragilisticexpialidocious on our episode notes because I'm confident you spelled it right because I made sure I knew how to spell it when I was a kid. That's to Obviously, done. Erica. Obviously. I don't know why we're the uh, microsoft word doesn't recognize it as a word i'm going to add it to my dictionary you so. should
1: can you do that can you add words to your dictionary you
2: microsoft just right on? click and say add to dictionary uh, wow a, so
1: i could i could make fuck upwards. face a, a word it
0: probably already is buddy every word okay. was ma- is made up if you think about it
1: damn right wow
0: so all that to say i'm doing okay since our last episode we did have to say goodbye to our dog henry Mm. And, uh, that was bittersweet right before Christmas uh, a month today, in fact, and, Oh, Henry, we miss you, buddy. Uh, but Jeannie asked me for an illustration for my article. And so Henry is the, uh, in the background image of of the main picture for the, uh, article on querying that I submitted to pipeline artists.
1: Oh, very cool. So
0: just a little ode to him. And there's something about dogs in the article too. So this is babbling. It's really relevant and important though.
1: And we're sorry for
0: your loss. Thank Erica. you very much. I know. Henry is my baby, had him Damn. for 12 years. Got mm-hmm. him as a puppy. Best dog ever. I thought all dogs were gonna be that easy. <laughs> oh, little did she know. <laughs> oh my god. Twelve
1: 12 years is that's that's a that's a good run for
0: a dog. That's yeah, a good he was 80 run. pounds, yeah.
2: big guy, a flat yeah, wow. retriever,
0: just the best temperament ever. And uh We got our second dog for him because he was starting to act a little too much like a human. Like he was (laughs) sitting up watching Pirates of the Caribbean with us one time. Like he was sitting up on the couch, like (laughs) paws back.
1: I can open a beer.
0: (laughs) It kind of looks like it. And on top of that, um, I ended up having a really great breakthrough in my revision process. So I'm kind of excited about that and have actually finally this time made progress. It's true. So how are you, sir?
1: I'm good. Well, first off, yay to progress. That's great. Yeah, progress thanks. is always good. Thank you. Uh, I am. You know, I'm. I'm hanging in there. I. Mm. Uh, I. I finished my book. Like the revisions, most of the revisions on my book. I have one more person looking at it for like mm-hmm. one last final, you know, look see before I um, start sending it out. Nice. Um. So that's cool. And while I'm waiting for that last set of edits, I've started work on a script i'm diving back into screenplay
0: i have seen a few tweets about this oh yeah, my god yeah yeah i'm
1: coming back out of retirement not i wasn't retired ever but you know it's um has to do with arson and oh fire. my gosh so it's i'm enjoying it yeah it's i mean oh. this is the this is the i mean i took a year to write my book so this is the first script i've worked mm-hmm. on since 2020
0: how's it feel getting back to scripts
1: Oh, it feels great. I mean, it's you know, I I've done so many scripts. And I've done it for so many years. It's it's not like it's, you know, it's it's not like I was learning a new form like writing a novel, right? I mean, right. so it's it's kind of just like oh, yeah, I've got on to, back onto a bike. It's like oh yeah, I remember what the pedals feel like that's right. This right. Is, you know, yeah. So yeah. Oh, nice. So far, so good. Um, I'm about ten pages be. in, so it's coming pretty quickly, which is nice. Feature. Yes. Cool. Yeah. 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 yeah oh, that's uh, so
0: exciting. The the tweets you've made about it so far have just been like. <gasps> a lot of fire stuff, and I'm so excited. Fire stuff. <laughs> I really love fire. I have my heating pad on my back right now. And
1: that's well, kind yeah. of the same thing as arson, right? Mm-hmm. A uh, heating pad on the back yeah. in an office chair in a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind mm-hmm. of the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, otherwise, I'm good. Uh, good. You know, I'm going to Vermont this weekend. Um, Are you really? I really am. Yeah, and I've never experienced negative temperatures before, so that's that's gonna that. be. I'm scared. I'll be honest with okay. you, Erica. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm terrified. Okay. But I'm ge- I'm going to Manhattan to buy heavy duty snow boots later today. Good. And uh, my girlfriend has a big snow suit for me to use. Nice. And I'm going to try snowboarding for the first time. Oh. So if you don't hear from me, I died on a mountain in Vermont.
0: Yeah, that so tracks. You'll
1: have, you have to do the podcast alone. So okay. this is basically just a long way of me saying that this is
0: my last podcast. There'd definitely be like a 15 minute period where I'd be really sad. But and, then you'd uh, stuck on. Yeah. I'd be cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, hey, if only you knew somebody who had been in uh, winter wilderness educational instructor. Is that you? That's me, buddy. Oh wow! Let me know if you ever want tricks and tips. I'm guessing you're not camping outside in the winter. Because no, that's no, no. its own thing. No, yeah, no, no, no.
1: Uh, okay, uh, my girlfriend's uncle has a very nice cabin, like five minutes from the mountain in Vermont. It's uh, Beddington, Vermont.
0: Oh, Beddington's beautiful.
1: Oh, <sighs> maybe I'll yep. find Bernie Sanders because he's you know when you go into Vermont he greets you right. Oh yeah, that's true. He's romantic. right there
0: at the he's at uh, the, the border. Uh, the, the border,
1: yeah, yeah, and yeah. all know, the, the, the borders, like with
0: all, all the various states. It's it all rivers. of it, so he's like the Santa of Vermont. Mm-hmm. So, well, Santa is huh. the Santa of Vermont, but hey, right. that's exciting. Um, uh, is you. it just a little mini vacation or uh,
1: I mean, vacation? I'll, I'll be working, but like, I mean, it's it's we're going tomorrow and we'll be there until Tuesday, so like it's that's it's a four day so little nice. getaway.
0: Yeah. Oh, I like that. Is Panda coming? Oh, of
1: course, oh, yeah, yes. yeah, she she likes the snow better than I do, frankly, okay. which is which is funny given that she was uh. A born and raised Southern California dog. Fun fact: I don't know if mm. I've said this. I'm kind of, I'm rambling, but you know, fuck it. It's it's our podcast. So this I is our rambling. podcast. God exactly. darn it, Peter. Gosh darn it, Panda. I adopted Panda from Clint Eastwood's daughter's dog rescue.
0: Well, slap my ass and call me Sally. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> I. That's from. Isn't that from Friends? Slap my ass and call me Judy. <laughs>
0: Isn't that from Friends? It's John Lovitz. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like, slap my, my, my ass and call me Judy. Judy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: probably where I got them from.
1: Probably. Probably. Oh,
0: my God. That's really, that's kind of a cool connection, I have yeah. to admit. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I like you that. Know, Panda and Clint Eastwood are on the same, you know.
0: Oh, my God. But right Please. now, I'd love to talk about. We're nodding yes. at each other, trying to yeah. cue each other. Yeah, yeah. Can we? Yeah. Did I yeah. interrupt yeah. you yeah. sufficiently? Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about Aaron because yes, I please. have been. She and I have been Twitter mutuals for a while now, mm-hmm. and it just got even more exciting when uh, Laura
1: mm-hmm. got
0: gotten. And I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. I don't know how to say. It. How should I say that? Um, uh,
1: Aaron Clyburn, who I'm just going to read the bio in a minute for. She- <laughs> signed a, uh, a writer by the name of Laura Garrison, who was a book pipeline workshop recommends. And yes. Erica was the one that discovered her and sent her to
0: me. So I, yeah, I don't know if that's the right phrase. Yeah. Laura discovered herself. I had the distinct pleasure of Reviewing getting it. to be the one to review her yes. sample pages and yes. remember like forgetting again to read for evaluation and just read for fun because it was already so tight. Amazing, yeah. And I'm like, Peter, you gotta read this thing about <laughs> yeah. It was, it and was amazing. And now yeah. she is represented by Aaron Clyburn. Yeah. Oh my god.
1: Erin has been with the Jennifer DiChiara Literary Agency as an associate literary agent since 2019. Previously, she worked as a copy editor and recipe editor mm, in the magazine industry and was general manager and director of collection development for Turtleback Books. She has a master's in children's literature from Holland's University, and Erin lives in Birmingham with her partner, Michael, and four terribly behaved rabbits. I love me some terribly behaved rabbits.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So let's bring her in here.
0: Oh, Erin, thank you so, so much for coming in here. Peter and I have been, we've been off for about a month, like from the podcast. So we're a little jazzed up today. So I'm going to go toning it down a bit.
1: Yeah. Thank Um, you so much for joining us. Seriously. It's it's our pleasure to have you.
0: Of course. Thank you for having me. Erin mentioned before she started, this is her first podcast hey. Hey, ever. <laughs> maybe I'll get a little ding, ding, ding sound. We should, like, we, You
1: know what we should do? We should get like one of those uh, old cowbell? church bell, like or a cowbell. Sure. I was going to say a church cowbell. bell, but that's fine. Well, yeah, yeah. I
2: actually graduated from Mississippi state and uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Mississippi state, but um, cowbells are our thing. And I have a couple sitting on the bookshelf right behind me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, we
0: could use that with your permission.
2: We'd use that as the
0: sound clip for future first time podcasters. Oh, sure. I would for real. Yeah. We could do that at the end, though. I would, I would be yeah. happy to. I can grab that. <laughs> That's perfect. That saves me from from invoicing Matt to give us a cowbell.
1: Yeah. Can we st- well, let's just start with the boring question, because for all of our listeners who don't know you, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are and why you got into aging? And I like that question. I do, boring. too.
2: Sure. Yeah. So my path to agenting was kind of windy, which I think is true of a lot of agents. I um, started my career in magazine editorial um, right out of college. And worked up to being a copy editor of a magazine. Um, And then after a couple of years, I went to graduate school for children's literature. It was kind of just something I did because I (laughs) love children's books so much that Mm -hmm. I thought like this, like I don't know what career will come of this, but this just sounds like something I have to do. Like once I learned that degree existed, I was like, I just have to go get that. So then um, after that, I was hired by a company in St. Louis. Turtleback Books to be their collection development manager. So basically, I was choosing titles from basically being a a book buyer and like collection development person, working with about 200 publishers for books that we made prebound editions of that went into the school and library market. So Mm -hmm. I was there for about five years and I managed the company and and it was just like a, a dream come true. I completely loved it. I loved all the different facets of the book industry that I got to sort of be a part of through that. But eventually, I wanted to be closer to my family. So I moved back to Birmingham, (laughs) Alabama, which is where I grew up, and um, went back into magazine editorial, where I work for Food & Wine magazine. I've been there um, almost six years now. And pretty soon after that, though, I was like missing, you know, the book business already, like so fast. (laughs) So I started like moonlighting as a as an assistant at a library here in the children's department. And I was like, I just have to be back in the book world. And I found a remote internship with an agency and it, you know, everything just kind of fell into place that, you know, agenting is such a perfect blend of like, editing, reading, sales, mm-hmm. predicting yep. trends, like all the things that I've been doing my whole career. And I got to sort of put them all together in this job. And it's just like, it's the best. Just
1: out of curiosity, because I mean, this, this was going back to 2019 was when you first started with Jen Kiara, right? Uh, it was
2: 2019. 2019, yes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that was before the pandemic when a lot of things were based in New York still, and that was still kind of the hub, but it was starting out being a remote uh, agent slash employee. Was that more difficult less difficult not as bad as you thought it would be
2: um it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be honestly I I did Mm -hmm. think that it was going to be a challenge um because it was summer of 2018 was when I started my initial internship with Mm -hmm. a, a smaller boutique agency and I was really surprised how much communication was done you know over the phone, over mm-hmm. emails, yeah. over what, whatever else, um, even pre pandemic. And it, it really wasn't much of a challenge, um, to just correspond with people like that. Yeah. And, um, my first submissions as an agent, I actually sent out in February, 2020. So it was oh, like, wow. right when <laughs> right then. everything happened. Yeah, I so see. I honestly uh. don't even know the real world of agenting outside <laughs> of the pandemic, which is it's wow. very weird to think about at this point yeah. in time, like that it's actually been this long, but it it really is like all the pandemic agenting is like all I know. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. I hope one wow. day to like learn what it is like after this. <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> oh, knock on wood.
2: I yeah. feel like that's been yeah.
1: true of so many industries where yeah. they're, they're just completely gone. I mean, especially like in the film and TV world now. I mean, it used to be such a thing where you had to be in L.A. And that was like the place. Mm-hmm. And now it doesn't matter mm-hmm. at all. And it's just it's I wonder if it'll ever go back to the way it was completely. I don't know. No. I honestly
0: hope it doesn't. I'll just throw yeah. this in there because yeah. it, it well, just, so too. Yeah. It's, it's accessibility for so many people who otherwise don't have the money to move to LA or totally. New York. I uh, totally and- completely
2: agree. Yeah, that was actually why I pursued the job like after I got my master's I my dream was to go into publishing but I was like I don't know that I can survive if I <laughs> move to New York so I didn't yeah and yeah. you know that is the that's what a lot of people face and yeah. are still facing and um I really really hope that this opens up just our whole business and like you said other industries too, film and, and many other industries yeah. to um more remote work that are like permanent remote solutions. Like I I think it would just be better for everybody.
0: Agreed. Salaried with health insurance.
2: Yes. There's a way to do it.
0: There is a way to do it. Peter, that next question is one of yours. Um, Oh, oh, I was
1: I was gonna give the floor to you, Erica. I want, I want, (laughs) I want
0: number three and four. He and I have a cheat sheet open. (laughs) Uh, Okay, just (laughs) our list of questions. Um, I want to do number three and four. Those
1: are my questions. Okay, okay, okay. Do it, Peter. Go, Peter. Do it. So, Aaron, kind of talking about the agent-client relationship. What do you think? I this is a broad question. I know, but what do you? If you had to pick one thing that was the most important thing about an agent-client relationship, what do you think that would be, and how can a Writer put their best foot forward in that sense?
2: I think that openness is really the most important thing someone can come into an agent author relationship with. Sure. Um, because just the, the the route to publication involves so much of like being open, whether that's like being open to doing a revision for an editor, being open to, you know, possibly like really overhauling a manuscript, mm-hmm. um, but also just being open to. Uh, being open about your feelings, (laughs) I think is also just really um, necessary. I always want my clients to feel like they can come talk to me or if they have a question, I want them to ask me. I don't want them to ever feel like, you know, it's going to be annoying or that I'm unapproachable. I I want, you know, I want communication to be as open as possible. And, you know, for some people that involves a lot less communication and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, maybe we only need to check in every once in a while, but... Basically, I want someone to always feel that they can ask questions, and then be be open to change when that inevitably happens. Because you know, I work with my clients on edits a lot, and the process only gets like that much more involved if their book mm-hmm. actually gets bought by a publisher. So it's just something that they have to be ready for. So if someone seems like closed off or hesitant or like really not open to change upfront. Um, that is a little bit worrisome because this, you know, this whole business just requires um, so much adaptability.
1: Totally. Yeah. And something with the the writers that I work with, question that I get a lot is like, how much should I should I be producing, like in terms of like output, like how many mm-hmm. books a year or every other year should I be writing? I was wondering what you thought about that. Mm. Oh,
2: um, that's interesting. Um i I mean, I have some clients who might only write, you know, one book in a number of years but i also have clients that have sent me multiple manuscripts in one year and you Mm -hmm. know so output definitely varies a lot sure and um there's only unfortunately like with the way that like the wheels turn in publishing there's only so many projects we can put on submission at once <laughs> right. like yeah. if we have multiple projects in like the same genre for the same audience <laughs> we can't send all those out at the same time mm-hmm. so it's a situation where like we can have a backlog of as many manuscripts as you put out but with the knowledge that maybe one of those manuscripts isn't going to be able to go out on submission for you know, a year or two years, like just depending right. on timing. And if like one book sells, like, is there an option clause mm-hmm. that means that publisher has the right to see your next project? So yep. there's yep. a lot of things that can happen to like sl- slow things down even further. Right. Um, but yeah. I would never like tell an author, you know, you are obligated to send me like a manuscript a year, or a manuscript every six months, or you yeah, know yeah, something, yeah.
1: something like that. <laughs> how I, this is a, my last follow up question. Sorry, Eric. I know you're chomping. At Don't a bit be. Over there. <laughs> no, we've got
0: all the time uh, in the world. All the time in the world.
1: <laughs> I, I, the option clause you were just talking about. I yeah. I've heard of that before, obviously, but how common is that for first time writers selling their first book? Is that something that you see a lot, or no? Is that more established um, to authors?
2: It's, uh, there has been an option clause in in every debut book that I've sold. Um, Wow. uh, So pretty much always, I think that publisher um, is going to want to see the next work. And like, sometimes it's kind of broad where it's like your next adult project and it's just very broad, but sometimes it can be like really specific and you usually want it to be pretty specific, like the next adult mystery novel or you know something mm, sure. like that so you're sure. not tied down to too much to to what you yeah because I was going to say
1: event. that would close off a lot of submission mm-hmm. outlets right. for you yeah interesting. right okay so that's what yeah.
0: option means I always thought it was yeah. like movie option yeah, I, oh, yeah. genuinely didn't yeah, yeah I just heard that phrasing before and that's yeah. what my assumption was.
2: yeah it's basically like the publisher saying we have the first right to take a look at your next Project. They've
0: got dibs.
2: They've got dibs.
0: All right. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Options equals dibs. Emotional (laughs) shotgun. Also, for any querying authors listening, if an agent ever tells you you must produce X amount of manuscripts a year to work with me, (laughs) run. That is, run. 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 That's not a valid
2: thing. I hope Um, no one says that.
0: That's very scary. It's very scary. (laughs) Uh, No, no legit agent would ever say that. If you want to learn more about what are red flags from agents or anyone who claims to be an agent, but but might not be, Mm -hmm. take a look at the hashtag Schmagen. I think it's (laughs) S-C-H-M-A-G-E-N-T. Yep. Okay. And, uh, but what it is, it's, this one actual really wonderful agent exposes a lot of agency scams going on in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So hashtag Schmagen, I'll put that in the episode notes.
2: And unfortunately that happens a lot more often than it should. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I have a question for you, Erin.
2: What is something
0: that's like an instant rejection for you?
2: Um, you know, I don't have a ton of like or I don't, I guess I don't have a lot of instant rejections that would be like surprising. I really only instantly reject when something is, you know, is not something I represent, like not a genre that I represent at all. Or Mm -hmm. um, when someone doesn't include pieces of the submission package that I ask for on query manager. Um, So like, it, you know, sometimes I'll get submissions where there's like no query letter and they've just <laughs> written like not applicable or something in that space. Oh, God. And so those I just reject instantly because it's like, well, if you're not willing to do the bare minimum of writing a query, Absolutely. then yep. you're going to, you know, be in for a world of hurt if you ever get mm-hmm. a book published and have <laughs> to do a whole lot of extra work. Um so those are really the only things um, there are, I mean, there are definitely some topics that I don't want to read about. Um, mm-hmm. Just the other day, I, I actually am close to queries right now, but someone had used like an old event link that I guess they found on Twitter or something and then submitted through that link, which is a definite you no, yeah. no, <laughs> oh, don't do that that's not ever. Cool.
0: That's why uh, at the end of our query evaluations, we always add the reminder to our clients just triple check the agency guidelines triple check that mm-hmm. this person is still open to queries that they're mm-hmm. uh still representing the genre I I queried an agent once who I had I had on my two query list from six months earlier didn't check and they were mm-hmm. then not representing my uh, genre anymore so, so like, that's on yeah, me I yeah know, and, right
2: and also like there I mean it's also something where if it's a honest mistake like i'm never going to like fault someone for like you know if they picked a genre for their book and like it was the wrong one like mm-hmm. it, you know or something like that where it's like if as long as you give it your best effort <laughs> i yeah. think that that's always going to be okay for an agent it's just really those over the top. Like, I'm not going to write a query letter. Yeah, like that. <laughs> Not applicable. Um, I'll try that. Yes. Aaron,
1: Erin, they're too good for query letters. You just have to read their book and just you'll get, trust it. It. I you know. get it.
2: Trust it. Trust It's actually, you, you might be surprised how many people say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Spinning that turntable a little, what's an instant? Yes. If has there been one recently, like just something that caught you and you um, knew it was going to be a request.
2: Yeah. And instant yes is definitely way harder to define in terms of like, what can someone do? Because mm-hmm. like, I don't think it's possible to like um, give a piece of advice that would turn a query into an instant yes. Cause I think that sure. ultimately that's like really subjective depending sure. on who's yeah. reading it. Um, but I definitely have, and it usually comes down to um, the, the voice, like if you have Mm -hmm. a super confident voice and it feels right out of the gate, like literally within paragraph one, (laughs) it feels like something I haven't seen before. Um, then that is going to get my attention. Um, I, I usually know in the first paragraph or two, if I'm going to request a full manuscript, like I can just tell really quickly. And I, I don't, have a very like high rec- request rate. I think I mm-hmm. like am pretty conservative yeah. when it comes to how much I request from people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when I do, it's like almost like it's a certainty that I'm like really hooked <laughs> and really oh. into. it. And okay. um, the last,
1: good to know. Okay,
2: the last one, um, the last client I signed. Um, uh, her name's Meg Lee, and she wrote. Something that has been on my wish list for literally since I started agenting, wow. which was, you know, it's a multi-generational saga set in the South. And awesome. um, it is about a, a an amazingly badass black woman getting revenge on something horrible that happened to her family. And then it, so it follows her family through like many generations. And, um, and then it follows her story as she's getting revenge (laughs) for these things that happened to them and it's, it's really funny and it's really dark and it's really powerful. And, um, and so that was one of those things where like, as soon as I opened the query, I was like, oh, it's a multi-generational saga. I already Mm -hmm. know I'm interested. And then her query letter was super strong and super confident. And as soon as I read that, you know, probably the first paragraph or two, I was like, yes, this is something I need. To read all of immediately because I was looking for that for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I'm always interested in those. I'm always interested in multi generational sagas. I really love and am looking for more authors um, who are Southerners writing about the South um, Mm -hmm. in a variety of genres, like whether that's like a really interesting, culturally focused memoir or if that's, you know, a saga or something with like elements of fabulism. Um, you know, I, I really would love to see more Southern authors. Um, mm-hmm. something really specific is that I would love to see a book about Cajun people by a Cajun mm. author. Um, yeah, that'd be Yeah. Cool. My, my nice. mom's side of the family is, is all Cajun and I just wish wow. that I could see, um, see that culture represented in a really incredible book. And then I am definitely uh, right now mostly thinking about horror. That's just like the space Correct. that I feel yes. like I'm I'm spending most of my time thinking about <laughs> these days. So middle grade, YA, adult, and, and a lot of different types. Like mm-hmm. I, I tend to gravitate toward things that are a little more literary leaning. Um, all right. But all kinds of horror, whether that's like... Folk horror, you know, Southern Gothic, Mm -hmm. magic realism, fabulism, folk horror, you know, just body horror, everything. That's all kind of like top of mind for me when I reopen to queries, which should hopefully be soon.
0: Okay, good. Very good. (laughs) Forgive me um, for, oh, sorry. Pete, we might be asking the same question. I wanted to know, um, I've heard of all those subcategories except fabulism. Can you unpack that a little bit? Thank you. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, So that would be, um, I, I really love books with elements of Fabulism in them, which is that you've taken things that are fantastical or magical and put them in a real world setting. Oh, um, okay. And a lot of, uh, like right now, you know, it's, um, I think it's become increasingly important to really, like, basically up until recently, I think a lot of people use magic realism as like the blanket term for yeah, all of that. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But, but um, you know, magic realism is very specific to a latinx experience of um you know huh. speaking to like issues of like colonization and and are is pretty much culturally specific Interesting. so um that. so if you know. were to use fabulism that would be a way of you know saying a similar thing kind of in the same way that i think of as you know southern gothic literature which i didn't i don't mean to like get on a soapbox but like southern gothic literature is like one of my I'm right there with you. I love it. Is that like a lot of people say that their projects are Southern Gothic, but what they really are saying is like my book is like spooky and Southern, (laughs) so it's Southern Gothic. But really, Southern Gothic means my book is dealing with issues of like race and poverty Hmm. and sexism and all the you know degradation and and all these issues that are like Hmm. um, historically. Tied to the South. And Mm. for something to really be Southern Gothic, it has to be those things. It can't just be an aesthetic choice. So that's right. my soapbox.
1: If it's a thriller set in the South, it doesn't mean it's necessarily Southern Gothic. Yes, yes right? I'm right and, there like, and, and yeah. it can be. It might
2: sure. be, but yeah. like maybe it's not. <laughs> I did not know so, that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you.
0: I learned a new word. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I
1: also, I, I, yeah, I had no idea what fabulism is, and also that magical realism was tied to that specific part of the Latinx experience. I had no idea. Wow, that's really eye-opening. Good. It, I, I also love that you talked about voice because that's the thing that I beat into the heads of the pipeline (laughs) writers that I work with. I mean, just, you can tell, like, I I've gotten some pushback on this within a sentence. You can tell if this is a writer that knows what the hell they're doing and it just, it makes a difference. I mean, structure and everything else is important, obviously, but the thing that's going to make them really respond to you is voice and emotional resonance. Those are Mm -hmm.
2: the two pillars
1: of
0: the tent. I experienced that a few months ago, reading an evaluation uh, Mm. that we got in the workshop. And this middle grade horror voice (laughs) was so amazing. Uh, I remember telling Peter, I'm not even done with this eval, but I'm going to need you to take a look at these pages. I can't find anything wrong. And (laughs) guess who that was, you guys? That was Laura Garrison, who was recently signed by Aaron. That was my elbow. That was Laura Garrison, who was recently signed by Aaron. And Laura, if you're listening, I love your work. I was so excited to read it. But that was one where it was like the first (laughs) sentence I was in yeah it was clear she was good to go
2: yeah Laura's work is definitely an example of I read the and I I can't remember if y'all sent me the whole manuscript at once or just a sample but I think it was just a sample sample sample. and I think I automatically was like I have to have this because it just you it's just one of those things where you have and I it's it's hard to describe what that is in your Mm -hmm. voice but I only think of it as like confidence like this person knows Exactly. exactly what they. Are doing <laughs> and what Point they want to do, and yep. what who this character is, and this voice, and they are just a hundred percent in it. And that's how Laura's writing is, for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Structure so and everything else can be fixed, voice mm-hmm. yes, can't be
2: definitely yep.
1: stepping back here, <laughs> uh, kind of looking at the publishing industry from a bird's eye view. I obviously 2021 was a very uh challenging year for publishing, shall we say lightly. <laughs> um, what do you think were some of the biggest trends that you saw in the marketplace from an aging perspective in 2021? And how do you think they might change this year?
2: Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about a lot um, lately, especially this week, because I don't know if y'all saw it, but there was an, an article that came out sort of talking about predicting the trends for 2022 and, Mm -hmm. and saying that like, they think that joy is going to be a a prominent theme and like what people are looking for. And I definitely understand that because I, there was a, you know, there was a period of time during the pandemic where I didn't want to read anything (laughs) that wasn't, um, uplifting and yeah. fluffy and happy. Sure. And, yep. you know, everyone got obsessed with Ted Lasso and like, that's <laughs> just as like heartwarming and that, yeah. you know, I definitely get the desire to like stay in that space. So mm-hmm. I do think that there is going to be a lot of that, but I also, you know, I guess this is a little bit subjective too, because I represent mostly darker things, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. you know, a lot of editors are really looking for, um, things with speculative twists. So, were, and this is children's and adult, like, r- realistic situations and worlds, but with, like, you know, some kind of sci-fi or magical twist to them. Mm, um, yeah. That is something that I think that most editors I talk to um, list as as something that they want.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I, I, I mean, kind of like I said before, I, I am definitely very excited to see what happens in the horror genre this year. I think we're kind of in this um, new golden age of like horror movies and Mm -hmm. books. I think that the demand for that is just going to, um, keep increasing, you know, um, in definitely in middle grade, people are looking Mm -hmm. for spooky stories, um, YA and adult people are, you know, really more open to that than I think that they possibly have been in Mm -hmm. the past.
1: It seems like I mean just from my limited perspective that genre pieces like, you know, thrillers and horror are kind of the types that are not marketplace proof because that's not the right phrase, but they're they're not as susceptible to a wanting an uplifting trend as maybe other pieces are. Is that a correct assumption or is that me just making something up?
2: No, I think that that's true. I, I think Both? that that is true for, Both, yeah. um, for for a lot of genre fiction. I think that's accurate. And I mean, that being said, there are definitely some editors who are like, I like darker things, but I want it to have a happy ending. <laughs> so, right. so right. there's that too. Yeah. But um, but I think you're you're right in that assessment.
0: who All right. Okay.
2: <laughs> Got a big one for
0: you now, Aaron. Ready? Yes. If you could change, thank you, Peter. If you could change
2: anything about the publishing industry, what would it be? Yeah, that is a big question. Um, (laughs) And it's hard to narrow that down really (laughs) to one thing. (laughs) Um, And also hard, again, not to like really get on a soapbox. But I I think that if, you know, if I could boil it all down to one thing, it Mm -hmm. would be understaffing. Mm -hmm. I, we just uh, talking about reports that came out this week, you know, there was, there was one that came out talking about how like book sales are just booming and (laughs) publishers were recording record profits last year. And all of these things are wonderful. Of course. I love that people are buying books, but that isn't translating to um, the staff that are like creating these books. And um, you know, we are currently seeing like so many newer, younger, editors who are just totally overloaded with work and Mm -hmm. not being compensated for it. And like we were saying earlier, like if you live in New York, you have to be paid fairly. It's just wild to think of, you know, the fact that wages haven't increased in like 15 years for the same positions. Like it's just Mm -hmm. wild. So, you know, everyone is burned out. Everyone is overworked. And, um, you know it's been great to see these efforts that have sh- sort of sprung up over the past like couple of years regarding like bringing more diversity and marginalized people into the publishing world but Dang. at the same time like if they're not being compensated um, then they're not going to stay. <laughs> right. So, yep. uh, you know, paying people fairly and paying them living wages and and having more people, like we just need more people and focusing on retention and treating everyone well. Like mm-hmm. that's definitely, um, from my perspective, at least the thing that causes the most frustration because it, for, for us agents, that is playing out in very long waits. Like, mm-hmm. you know, editors yeah. take a really t- long time to get back to us and yep. contract departments have these huge bottlenecks and it's mm. not a, through any fault of their own. <laughs> They're just overworked. If I like had to narrow it down, I think that a lot of things could be fixed by just paying people more and hiring more people. That's yeah. a great answer. Do you have any habits
0: of your, for yourself or tips for other people? Might be easier to do it that way. Any self-care tips?
2: Uh, I do think that that is a f- uh, funny um, distinction that you just made between for yourself or yeah. for other people, <laughs> because because <laughs> I think I am really bad at <laughs> <Okay. I'm> here. <laughs> um, I I've been consciously working on that though, that especially like in this new year, I'm trying really hard to separate, um, sort of compartmentalize my. Mm-hmm my work, as well as like my spaces, because, you know, with everyone working from home, I think I was getting in this rut of working all day in the same chair and then sitting in that chair to watch TV Mm. all night. Yeah, that's just not healthy. Um, so separating, you know, office and living area, and Mm -hmm. then also making time to exercise every day, like just is a huge boon for my mental health. <laughs> so right. whether that's like doing yoga or going for walks mm-hmm. or hiking or whatever, that is a huge thing. And then I also try to make sure there's like one day every week where I don't turn on my computer. And nice. that's oh. it's pretty hard because, you know, I have a full-time job working for food and wine. And then agenting is a whole nother full-time job. So I work most days and most evenings, but I try to have at least one day out of every like weekend Mm -hmm. where I don't even open the computer. And that doesn't mean that I like don't check email on my phone or something. I'm not sure. It's the computer. (laughs) But it's like little stuff like that. That Um, is. But yeah, I'm always open to hearing self-care tips from other people because I feel like for for all of us in this industry, we're just like spread really thin and Mm -hmm. um, are really bad at taking care of ourselves. (laughs) My
0: actually mine's very related to yours about like, if you keep your computer off, I keep my phone in my bedroom because I'm one of the laziest good people I know you. if it's in my bedroom, I yeah, that's don't, really good. I, it's so far away. And also at night uh-huh. I'll leave my phone in the kitchen. <laughs> like I, I should probably have it for emergencies, but uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe I'll get a cowbell instead. There you <laughs> <go. Hey. laughs>
1: I also, I I put all of my electronics on do not disturb mode at 10 o'clock sharp on the dot. That's true. Yeah. No one, no one can get me after 10 o'clock.
0: I yeah. know, yeah. and Peter. Like sometimes I know you. You'll stop working around five, six o'clock or something like that, five, and I'll 30, message you on. Yeah, I'll yeah. message you on Slack. You never have to reply that I'm not working right now. I know you're not working right now. Just save it for tomorrow. <laughs> that's that's really really yeah. hard to it do. Is, hard. is it yeah.
2: like it's it's so hard for me to see because I have I think like four different Slack channels <laughs> yeah. between like my my clients and then different mm-hmm. agent groups I have and yeah. then my day job and when someone sends you a Slack, like it's really hard to not think about it until you've. Oh, totally. See, (laughs) it's not,
0: it's that this is a really big intention um, that I've been working on for myself the last maybe three years. So I'm a little bit ahead of the game on this piece of self-care and um, Isabel Sterling and I were just talking about this. I, my new mode is not overworking myself. I watch my parents run themselves into the Mm -hmm. ground to give us a good life. And I do feel weird. Like bring my laptop into the bedroom and I feel weird doing work on the couch because that's where I relax mm-hmm. in the evening. So I'll sit on a different cushion on the couch like <laughs> than the one I watch
2: TV on. <laughs> so that's um, so important though. Like yeah. that's all so wonderful that you are building those habits already.
1: It's so interesting what you were saying about people being understaffed and underpaid cuz i feel like that's not usually the answer we get when we ask that question oh, it's a really fair really? point yeah and i'm wondering like you know with the the imminent merger of you know penguin buying out simon and schuster if that goes through i wonder if that will make things even worse
2: you know i've been <laughs> i've been trying like not to speculate on what might sure. happen if yeah. that does go through but i yeah i don't think that it will make any of those situations better
1: I, no, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah.
2: I don't think that it will. Yeah. Based on yeah.
0: a few conversations we've had with some previous guests, I do feel this ripple coming towards us, like indie presses, getting bigger, getting yeah. stronger. And so. yeah. you know, like when something just gets too big, I have to step back from it.
2: I totally agree with you that um, I think that that is potentially like a, a positive about mm-hmm. all of this is that Hopefully. I think yeah. that, mid-size and indie publishers are going to have even that much better of an an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think we'll see the rise of of more of those and success of mm-hmm. more of those um going forward as the bigger houses keep consolidating. And I mean, I'm a huge champion of like medium and size and, and smaller publishers. Like a lot of them are doing incredible work. Yep. And you know, I have clients publishing through publishers that are not the big five and mm-hmm. are having incredible experiences. Like That's you awesome. can still get that sometimes you get more attention and support mm-hmm. because you're at a smaller publisher like there there really are um, a lot of can be can be a lot of positives too, yeah. to going with a, a smaller press. And I think that as things continue in the future, like it's really I mean, it's hard to predict anything, but yeah. I do think that it will be a positive for those smaller publishers
1: a lot of times, like you said, the mid-sized smaller ones put so much effort behind you because mm-hmm. they can, and, you know, they have less titles and less, you know,
2: mm-hmm. goals. They have it, yeah, like, yeah, it is. a. I mean, even I had to get, <laughs> had to get through that realization of, yeah. oh, yeah. this can be just as good, if not better. Like oh. I had to have those experiences before I really like internalized it, but now I'm like, oh yeah, this can be just as good. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice to when you were just starting out, what would it be and why?
2: Yeah, that's really, (laughs) that's a hard question. Um, Because I guess, because I feel like I have had so many sort of different careers over, you know, the past, um, you know, 15 years since Uh I've been out of college, like it, I think that if, I think if I could tell myself anything, it would be to create those healthy boundaries early on. Because I, I've, I've spent probably too much time thinking about this and also talking about it in therapy. (laughs) But like, you know, (laughs) if you you grow up as someone who is like you're an overachiever in school Mm -hmm. and you get straight A's and you're the valedictorian, and then you go out into the work world and suddenly. Um, hard work doesn't necessarily equate to good things anymore. Right. Um, I've had a really hard time with that. And, yeah. and I, you know, I, I had a job um, that I mentioned before where I was managing this company and I loved it, but I, it kind of took over my life because mm-hmm. I, Ew. it became just my whole life. And, you know, yeah. it, it took a some real like come to Jesus moments of mm-hmm. going like, Oh wait, this job doesn't love me. Like this mm-hmm. is not, it this is not a happy relationship I no. have with this company mm-hmm. and, and, and a, a, a company will never love you. <laughs> and, and it's, um, you know, I wish that I could go back and like, tell my self graduating from college, like, mm-hmm have like separate your work and your personal life and and prioritize your personal mm-hmm. life too and um, because you can you know it, it just work work shouldn't be your whole life and i I think that too that that's something that um I know a lot of agents that struggle with the same thing because mm-hmm. we by nature I think we're people that work a ton because we, you know, we're not getting paid. <laughs> so, right. yeah. you know, so we only make money if we're selling books and we're only yeah. selling books if we're working all the time. So yeah. Um, yeah, those, those healthy boundaries is really what I could, I, I would like, wish I could like shake myself, be like, please, please don't give your, your entire being to your, yeah. your job.
1: Just as someone who's spent so much time, you know, you got your master's in children's literature. Does, was writing ever, you're writing yourself ever something you wanted to pursue?
2: Yes, it was. <laughs> I, my, my master's thesis was a young adult novel that uh-huh. I, um, I, <laughs> yeah, like, I think it was 2016 maybe or 2017 I pitched it in one of the Twitter pitch events like this was before I knew anything about agenting at all and I got a lot of requests and a lot of full requests but like nothing came of it and Mm -hmm. I've since realized that like that novel was not ready like it was fine but like it definitely wasn't ready for an agent to see and I do really dream of like writing something again, or even just reworking that same manuscript. Um, mm-hmm. but, it's one of those things that it's just kind of taken a backseat to yeah. everything yeah. else in my life. But yeah, I, <laughs> I would really like to write a book some, someday.
0: <laughs> you're in the right industry. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> it's. Great. I mean, honestly, being um, getting into agenting really was what gave me the perspective to know exactly why what I wrote mm-hmm. didn't work.
0: That was a huge perk, an unseen perk of working uh, as a slush reader. It's just, there's n- some things you're never going to know until you'll, you're already past it. <laughs>
2: like, yes, I think that's so true. Unfortunately, that's yeah, really true. Everything but it's hindsight. also like, it, I think all of that is also like a great, great proof that one of one of like the big pieces of advice, which is like, go, if you're trying to get your own book published, you have to read a lot. Yes. <laughs> like you have oh, yeah. to know everything yep. that's out there and you have mm-hmm. to know what your book is up against and you have to know what yep. other people are doing right in your genre. And, mm-hmm. and you, because not just, you know, to be aware of the market, but also like you might start reading and go like, oh, I see something that I could be doing better. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I see a lot of, you know, whatever it might be that could could be room for improvement. But mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Like reading widely is, you know, if you can't go work at a literary agency, you can read every bestseller that's out there or, yep. you know, every everything yeah. that's really popular in your genre by a writer you admire. Like, you know, those are... Totally. <laughs> Yeah, there's those are a, ways to do that. <laughs> there's yeah. a reason why when I'm evaluating for uh, the book pipeline workshop that
0: it's super easy for me to pick up on when an author has mentioned read, a character. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's really easy for me to see when an author has mentioned a character in chapter two, but never mentions them again in the rest of the pages, oh, yeah. because oh, yeah. I do that a lot, and that's yeah. one of the first things that jumps out. I'm like, oh, you should <laughs> never do that, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just it's like with the self care, it's so easy. It's so much easier to tell other people um, Mm -hmm. how to fix something, which is why we suggest finding writing buddies, critique Mm -hmm. partners, and beta readers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And just going back to what you were saying, Aaron, about wanting to circle back the writing at some point, it's something that has been really refreshing to see. Uh, unlike in the film and TV industry, there are a lot of agents that are also authors themselves mm-hmm. and celebrating yeah. published authors. I love that. But just not a thing in film and TV at all. I mean, oh, the, the, yeah. just like, can't even imagine an agent at WME going, yeah, I'm also a screenwriter. It's, it's not a thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I remember looking at one of my favorite agents and saw that um, he was agented. And then I looked at her, that agent, and she was an age, she was agented also. And I looked at that agent's agent and it was the original guy. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"What laughs> is full circle. Full <laughs> circle. Everybody yeah.
2: knows everybody. more. They yeah. do. And, and I mean, you know, for, for better or worse, it's definitely, uh, I think um, you, I, I have not sent a query of my own since I've been an agent, but mm-hmm. you definitely see, like, if someone queries me and they're like. I work at this publishing house, or I am an agent with this agency, it you can't help but like it, it catches your attention. Totally, yeah. And, you know, maybe that's not great. Because, you know, are, are you subliminally giving preferential treatment to right? some people or not? I wonder if there's any agents out there
0: who represent each other <laughs> like they're both <laughs> authors. I don't I, I think you can't do that. Can? Also, you? how awkward would be I feel it like be... you
2: should it, but I don't know if there are. <laughs> how, <right?
1: laughs> how 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 awkward would it be also if you saw like an is like I you know, I, here's my book. I'm also an agent in XYZ agency and then you read the book and it was awful like that's that's just that's
2: that's well, tough. And, and I think that might be one of the reasons why you why it would catch your attention or why it does catch your attention when it's like I'm a literary agent because generally those people do know exactly what not to do sure. <laughs> And in in theory. Yeah. You know, it's and do gonna it. be like pretty good <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> well hey Erica what? You left off uh, your favorite
0: question. I know. It's Are we new not doing year. it, anymore? I don't no? know. No? Okay, wait a minute. All right. I can't I can't for, let it go. For, for, I wish for, I knew how to for, for reference, uh Erica's question.
1: Erica's yeah. one her favorite question. I think that's fair to say favorite question, right, Erica? Yeah. Is to ask our guests if they like to snack while they work. And if so, what are your favorite snacks? Okay, there you go. You got a
0: yes. And Great. her drinks. Oh, she's nodding. We okay. don't know if it's a yes. Oh, yeah. Yet. Okay, we okay. Don't know if it's so, or most <laughs> of the time oh, a nice it's a question. no. Most of the time people
1: don't it's, snack.
0: It's been split. So I've, I've. It is a new year. It's now 2022. <laughs> if you haven't heard, Peter. Oh my god. <laughs> the snack ah. question was so 2021. <laughs> I don't know. I. So I'm. I'm debating on if it's even worth. It's always worth. I
1: love oh, snacks. Aaron, do you snack while you work?
2: I eat lunch while I work, but I don't snack while I work. And the only reason for that is that I have no self-control at all. Okay, So if I was to open a box of Cheez-Its, which are like my favorite thing, I would eat the whole box of Cheez-Its because I can't like portion control is not (laughs) <laughs> something that I even understand. I only, I try to only eat like at actual meals, unless I've like made a decision to focus on this snack. Okay. But, but if I was like working and snacking, I would just eat all day long. Okay. Very good. Very my, good.
1: my cheese its are kettle chips. I just, eat put in a bag of those Kettle those chips are really gone. good.
0: Any yeah. flavor or just like.
1: Oh, just plain, just regular, just regular. Just the regular kettle- They're really yeah, good.
0: Yeah. those Ugh. Oh, the sea, sea salts are really good. Maybe the question, maybe I'll shift it then maybe okay it's 2022 peter let's split the difference <laughs> so you'll get you'll be the the transition guest then Ooh, aaron there you go okay what is your favorite movie snack oh all right maybe like tv watching snack like just something okay. you know couch couch snack let's call it
2: yeah i think my favorite like movie or couch snack is probably popcorn gotta be and yeah, gotta i be or ice cream. I love Mm. ice cream, um, but it's, it's probably popcorn and, and it's probably for the same reason that I just <laughs> mentioned, which is that you can eat like so much popcorn. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. Um, it's like, you know, you can get a lot of bang for your buck with popcorn. Mm-hmm. So uh, yep. that's probably my favorite thing to snack on while I'm like watching TV. Or if I'm going to the movies, I'm, I'm not a big like sweets or candy person at all. Really? Um, beyond yeah, beyond only ice cream. I also that's love so um, Ben and Jerry's has one. I think it's called Netflix and chill. Nah. Oh like, my god! It's like salty pretzels and sweet chocolate and other stuff. Oh <laughs> yeah, my mouth is watering. <laughs> okay,
0: yeah, I,
1: ca- so I can't eat a lot of sweets because I get really bad canker sores. So I, I, have a, I have a medical reason. Which, yeah, I know. Yes, yes, yes. I'm ancient. Ha ha, ha.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My mom always told me I got canker sores because I hadn't pooped in a while. Oh. Well, okay. I'm pretty sure those things
2: aren't related. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay, we will go try.
1: So Amazing. getting the train back on the tracks here.
0: <laughs> oh, we've left the station, buddy.
1: <laughs> uh, Aaron, something that we do in uh, our podcast is we set accountability goals for each other, Erica and I, and wait, wait, we wait. always invite our guests to do so if they would like. You totally don't. No, have to. I'm
2: it, I'm okay with that.
1: Erica, you start us <gasps> off.
0: Accountability goal time, 2022. Sir well, John
1: Cosgrove's accountability,
0: accountability time. My accountability goal is going to be to have already sent my sample pages for uh, my nonfiction proposal to my two beta readers. Aaron or Peter, what about you guys? I can
2: go. Right. I I definitely have one sort of along those same lines. Um, professionally, uh, I I work on like very very sort of strict schedules that I make for myself. Yeah. But just to make sure that uh, that since I know that this is going to be like aired publicly, that'll help me, <laughs> right? <laughs> actually, yeah. do all these. I have four manuscripts to read um three Ish. of them are my clients and then one or two of them are my clients two are um submissions and i have sort of mapped it all out that all four will be done in the next two weeks so oh, so okay. that's my goal right. is to read four manuscripts that Excellent.
1: is quite the goal all right. that's a
0: no that's reasonable yeah, that's i'm guessing you're Skilled at reading quickly. <laughs> so
1: that's great. All right. Yeah.
0: Peter Malone Elliott.
1: Oh, you got you full named me. Oh wow. Okay. What about uh, you? <laughs> what are you middle naming me for? What are you middle naming me for? What's that from? Is that what are you friends? Peter, it's, right? always from friends. It's, it's really yeah. interesting. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. By two weeks from now, I should have gotten the final edits on my book back. So I'll I'll want to start cracking into those before I send it out to people in the industry. Um, also on the script that I've started, I'd love to get to the act one break, which seems doable.
0: All right. Aaron, oh man. I think it's
1: time for cowbell.
0: <gasps> okay. So Aaron, if you would do us the honor, we would love to get a soundbite of the cowbell that is rumored to be behind you or one of many <laughs> that you have behind you on the shelves. I really, let in my
2: go, um, let yeah, me go find yeah. make
0: sure that it so, is there. Okay. While Aaron's going to check that Full out, vamp. you guys, again, we're going to circle back. We are going, Oh, look at all our books. I like that. Yeah. We're going to use the cowbell sound whenever anybody announces that they are a first time podcast guest. That's Gee. very exciting. Wow. Look at that thing. Oh my God, Aaron, that thing's bigger than I thought it would be.
2: But yeah, this is my, Whoa. there it is, there okay, it is. So us, Mississippi state cowbell.
0: <laughs> Mississippi. We'll tag them in the post. Um, tell yeah. us about Mississippi state. Tell us what the history of this cowbell is
2: you know if you what could. I or the myth- mythology I right? actually mythology. don't know like <laughs> I, I do not know the start of the cowbell but um it's I mean Mississippi State was like an ag college when it started and so I I know it had something to do with like cow college okay <laughs> is, so
0: agricultural it's like, that ring, means yes, yes. okay, okay.
2: Yeah. And so everyone brings cowbells to every football game oh, that's and loud. you <sighs> ring the cowbells. I mean, I think there are actually when I was in college, there was a rule that you could not bring the cowbells to the games, <laughs> but like everyone Ooh. does. <laughs> so like, I, <laughs> I don't know Pipeline why I'm bothered with that. Um, wow. but yeah, everyone brings their cowbells and you Ring them whenever something good happens. Which oh my is, gosh! To said, it wasn't necessarily often, but it, it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love well, it.
0: <laughs> well, that's amazing. I would love to make this the inaugural sound for and when one of our guests announced that this is the first time they're on a podcast. Like, and we will probably ask every time now. But,
2: Aaron, is this the first time you are on a podcast? This is the first time I'm on a podcast. <laughs> Ring that
0: beautiful cowbell. Thank you. This was
2: great. <laughs> this was great. Y'all oh, made so my cool. first podcast experience very not scary. <laughs> Yay! Cowbell, cowbell, cowbell.
1: That's that's our aim to not scare people. And sometimes you succeed, other times not. Aaron, Sweet. thank
0: mm-hmm. you. Oh my gosh, that's it for episode 16. Sweet 16.
1: Sweet 16. We did it. And Aaron, what a wonderful guest she was. Thank she was you, thank, so you, thank good.
0: you It's so good to put a voice with a Twitter profile.
1: I know. Yeah, I've been emailing with her so much over the past, you know, year and a half. It's nice to finally, you know, see her virtually, but still. Up next in episode 17, we've got author Cameron Garrett. So stay tuned for that. I'm very excited. And if you have any questions, rants, or raves about writing, or you want to learn more about us or pipeline, please visit
0: pipelineartist.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at the podcast title, on Instagram and Facebook at this podcast needs a title. Or you can follow me at The Davis Girl. And you can even follow Peter Malone Elliott at PME Writer. Do it. That's it. You should do it. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Shut up, Erica. <laughs> oh. Open the gates. So let's bring, bring her, her in here. Erin. Erin. Erin, come on. Erin, get Aaron. in here. Unleash hell. Hello. La, 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 la.